Sorry. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, so um, just as, uh, uh, as, as Chair Temple just said, it's not by coincidence that yesterday we heard the budget and now today we're talking about strategic academic planning. This is all about trying to knit all of these what well, really have been sort of separate pieces of functioning of the board for a long time and not unusually, actually, if you, when you look across the country, we're now knitting all of those things together. And so that's going to be a sort of a common theme about how it is that we can knit these ideas together in a strategic way. So first of all, of course, everything that I'm going to talk about today is uh, nested in our overall, uh, nested in trying to get our, well, it was working, and now it's not. There we go. That's a good start. <laughs> nested in, um, thank you. Probably needs new batteries. I know. I know how it feels. Uh, uh, nested in our master plan, and so later on today, I'll give an overall uh, picture of our momentum and the pathway to 2030, and how it is that we're going to reach our 60% goal. Everybody knows what the 60% goal is, and so da da. I know there should be a drum roll or something. I want to show you where it is that we are. Oh, there you go. There we go. We are at 49 and a half percent this year, so right on the cusp of 50 percent. Uh, next year will be our 50th year, so we decided to just, you know, pull our foot off the gas just a little bit so we wouldn't go over it this time around. Uh, for those who are a little bit new to this, 49 and a half, we need to put it in a little context. When we began this, we were right around 44. So to move you know, and this is moving a percentage of the entire state population. It's in not like in the midst of COVID and hurricanes and every kind of national di uh, natural disaster and unnatural disaster. Um, so this is where we are. And you can see that we have really started to pick up the pace. Uh, uh, and now, so the, the gray line was our kind of trajectory last year. I think last year I shared that we were sort of looking to be around 55 if we carried along around, uh, along that, uh, uh, that trajectory. We have picked up a little pace, and we're now looking to be more like about 56 or so. But I, I was sharing with uh, Chair Temple, in many ways, the story is what we've been doing is putting a shovel in the ground. We have been digging the holes, putting the plants in the ground, getting it all ready. Now we, are, now we should start to expect to see the plants come up. And that's where we'll start to see picking up the pace and heading towards our 60% goal. It's hard work to put the shovel to the ground, and we won't be finished with that. But thank you. It's not working yet. Well, you know, what well, do you do? But, um, but that's where we are. And so I think uh, uh, an enormous amount of celebration for that. So, uh, of course, it's the case that we, we don't want just any old 60%. Yes, we would like 60%. But the 60% we want, we want the 60% that we... Uh, of, of, a, of adults to have post-secondary credentials to look like Louisiana. We're committed to that equity across our state. But we also want to make sure that those credentials actually meet the economic needs of the state, meet the economic needs of the state and the communities that the people live in. And so that's in many ways what we're talking about today. How do we, how do, we do what we need to do to make sure that the degree programs and the certifications and all of the different credentials that we offer actually in a strategic way meet the needs of the state. So that's what I want to talk about. So, so first of all, what is this thing that we're doing? So as, 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 as Chair Semple said in the intro, 
Yes, it is going to be the case in just a minute that I'll talk through all of the new degree programs that our campuses are planning to present in the coming year. But, we're going to, but we now do that in a very different context than we ever have before. Uh, traditionally, pretty much across every state in the union, the way in which new degree programs bubble up to organizations such as the Board of Regents is that a faculty member has an idea. They go to their department chair, their department chair goes to their dean, and those ideas kind of bubble up. And eventually those new programs appear at some approval board, and then the approval board has to then say, yeah, that looks good, and approve it. Or, you know, in some circumstances say, no, we're not going to approve that. As you might imagine, that kind of process, well, first of all, that kind of process is a really drip, drip, drip kind of process. You can't see any overall picture. You can't see any overall strategy. You can't see where it is that anybody is headed. You can't see any of those things, even from an institutional point of view, let alone from a statewide point of view. The other is you're really depending on that process bubbling up the things that we need as a whole state. And often it's the case that those things don't happen because of the way in which information flows across campuses. Often it's the case that maybe the idea that a faculty member has is a really super idea. It just doesn't necessarily meet some burning need that the state has across the state. So what we really need and what we've now put in place is a, is a both and because the reality is we, we need people to be, as Wayne Gretzky might say, people, you know, People skating to where the puck is going to be. We need people creating those innovative new ideas, those new kinds of programs that will actually be the new, you know, I mean, before, well, before Regent Seal pointed out about AI, probably nobody in this room or very few people in this room had heard of ChatGPT, but now we all know it, right? And now you can be a, uh, an artificial intelligence prompt engineer Six months ago, that job didn't exist. Now it does. You know, and so we, we need people creating the kinds of programs that will anticipate these, you know, these new kinds of areas. But it's also the case that we need, we need a clicker. We need, <laughs> we need to know, well, what are the overall strategies that we, that we need across our state? What are the, you know, what are the, for want of a better word, the bread and butter kinds of programs that we just need as a state much more capacity in those things. And then what are ways in which our campuses, either alone or together, can then go about trying to meet those needs in ways that make sense to them and to us. So that's what we're first of all doing. The second thing is to put it all in the context of all the other things that are happening. So when we have those new programs approved, so that assess three-year academic plan, I'm going to talk about that in a second, we also need to put it in the context of all of the other programs, the portfolio of degree programs that each campus already has, right? Because the new programs that we have, the one, two, three new programs that a campus might create over you know, a four or five year period, well, they already have a library of programs, many of them that have been in existence for a long time. And so we have to think about those new programs in the context of the things that they already have and the new things that they've created recently. So as part of the materials that they provide to us now, we also ask them to give us information about 
how new programs that have been approved recently are doing. We have a process here, we've had it for a long time, where when a new pro the new programs that you approve on a monthly basis, when those programs get underway, those campuses give us a, a, what's called a progress report. And on, in that progress report, they show us what does their enrollment look like, what are their, when they begin to have graduates, what are, you know, what are those graduate numbers look like, what do those graduates do, how is that progressing, and when those programs get to a place where it's clear that you know, they've now launched and everything's fine, then we say, thank you very much, we don't need those progress reports anymore. But while they're still forming, we have those progress reports. And so within there, there is also this idea of how do we assess the picture of, well, the new program, new programs that you have recently had approved, how are those doing? And clearly there's some context there because if a, you can imagine if a campus is asking for, I'm just making this up, you know, five new degree programs, and then you look at the new ones that they just launched and they're all kind of iffy, it's like, well, we need to have a conversation about how that's going. Right? What's also the case is, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, programs come to the end of their lives. They, they made good sense when they were created 20, 30, 50 years ago, and now life has moved on. You know, you don't see a lot of bachelor's degrees in electric keyboarding anymore. This doesn't happen so much. So, you know, so the reality is that sometimes programs just kind of, they're, they come to the end of their life, and a campus needs to be in, you know, in the great circle of it, campuses now need to start to think about, well, from a strategic standpoint, well, if I'm gonna start this program over here, how do I need to prune back programs over here to create the capacity to be able to launch the new programs that we have? Yes, sir. Do we still have um, uh, an open field review each year? We do, and this is also part of, part of this process. That right, the, right, the, right there in the assessed cur uh, current portfolio, we ask, and it's part of the information that we ask from campuses in, in this, this, this giant spreadsheet that they, they give us, information about all of their low producing programs, and again, information about what it is that they have underway to address those low producing programs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, right. That's right. No, that's right. And the, and the reality is that low producing programs, they are as different as any other kind of programs. There, there are programs which, are, which can be low producing because this is a, an important program that a campus needs to have. There are just not so many people who graduate in that area, but it makes sense to have the program. There are programs that, are, as I say, they're, they're low producing because they made sense 20 years ago, and now they don't make any sense anymore. And so, and everything in between. And so, w it's important for us to have that conversation. But as I say, it's important for us to have that full conversation when campuses are bringing those plans to us. And then the last piece is, as we, as we say, we are asking for three-year plans. In the past, the process that this, this replaced uh, was campuses provided a, a letter of intent. So before they were, they really were kind of getting underway, they sent this letter up to us and said, is it okay if we start thinking about this program? And then we sent back and said, yeah, sure, think about that program if it, if it made some sense. Again, we saw that kind of one, one, one by one by one kind of pattern. 
Now, in a very different way, we are asking campuses to take that picture across the state that we provide, and I'll talk about what that picture might look like in just a second, the picture of what strategically as a, as a state we need our higher education systems to be creating more capacity in, that the, the local demands that they have in their region, the local demands that they have on their campus as the life of their institution unfolds, they, we, we're asking them to take all of that and then to plan out across three years, what are the programs that you now see need to be launched in the coming year or so? What are the programs that are on your horizon that are now beginning to, beginning to be created, beginning to be planned? And then thirdly, what are programs that are kind of in your, you know, dreams, for want of a better word? Because the reality is that's kind of the, the way that these programs unfold. When they come to us, they get processed relatively quickly in a matter of you know, a couple of months, maybe two or three. The planning stages on, cam on campuses often take a year, two years, because these are complicated things to put together. And so we're, as we're asking these campuses to do this planning, we're also asking to them to do something new that they've not really done before. And this is what we've, we've heard from campuses. We've heard the fact that now they are able to engage with their academic units in ways that they've not been able to. Now they're able to ask questions and make budgetary kinds of plans in ways that they've not been able to. All of those things knitted together in, I think, a very, a very important kind of way. And also allowing us, from our vantage point, to engage with institutions in ways that we've not been able to, to say, well, look, and you'll see it in just a minute, this, pro this campus is planning a program that's very similar or very complementary to a program that you are also planning. We'll see this several times where a two-year institution in the state is planning a new program at the same time that a four-year in institution, sometimes close, sometimes across the state, is, pla is planning a bachelor's degree in that same area and now a new way in which we can create partnerships across between two year and four years, sometimes in the same system, sometimes in different systems, sometimes closed, sometimes across the state. Again, you will see, for instance, Grambling and Suno both planning bachelor's degrees in public health, both to, to, to be planned this year. And so again, ways in which we strategically can have these sort of new pillars of HBCU public health programs at either end of the state. So lots of different ways in which we would never have been able to see those opportunities for, um, oppor opportunities for, uh, for interaction for, and, and complementary kinds of ideas like that. Does that make sense? So I'm going to show you a little today in the sense that we'll see the, the new programs that campuses are planning. We'll see uh, in, your, in your board materials, you'll see the, all of the degree programs that campuses are saying it's time for us to terminate those programs. And you also see the list of all the new programs that you have approved over the last two, three, four years and kind of where they are as they are working their way through that approval process. But in many ways, today is sort of the culmination of about, yeah, about six months of work in campuses doing this intentional planning, our working with those campuses, our working with the system offices, our working with regional economic development, with LED, with, you know, all across the state, really trying to understand how what we're doing now fits into that larger picture. Does that make sense? All right, good deal. So, as I say, 
little bit of a uh, little bit of numbers. This year, nine institutions are going to recommend 28 terminations, and so those those in particular are in your packet, and you can look through. Many of those are undergraduate certificates, post back certificates, things where again those certificate programs they they can be put up very quickly, and in many ways they are. Uh, um, a way for campuses to experiment to see whether a program, is there something there that they could then put into a larger degree. But you'll see other degrees in there too. Other thing I want to make sure you understand is that this is not the end of the story with these new degrees. That when it comes to these new degrees, after today, when, 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 when we've shown these, these, um, uh, these plans and you've accepted those plans, this then allows the campuses to more formally begin the planning process on their campus. So for each of those programs, and so last year uh, there were 52 programs that were on that list, in the end about a third of those programs actually came to us to be presented to you. And when they came, they came as a new a proposal, a, a, a proposal portfolio. It's a very, now, again, it's part of this new process, a very extensive packet of information that we ask of campuses when they launch that new degree program, much more extensive than in the past. We are asking campuses to tell us, so what is the economic need which is being met by this new degree, this new degree program? What are, the, what are the kinds of occupations that a degree like this would mesh to? Sometimes one-to-one, -one, sometimes one-to-many. Right? You can imagine a degree program which may lead to four, five, ten different kinds of occupations. What, are the, what is the employment outlook for occupations like that in your region and across the state? Do you have the capability to deliver a program like this? Um, in those occupations, what are the kinds of skills and knowledge base and education that employers are asking of people who work in those kind of occupation fields and how are you building those ideas, those skills, that knowledge into the curriculum of the degree program that you're planning to launch? How are you involving all of the kinds of best practices that we know about degree completion and leveling equity gaps and making education richer, like including work-based learning or high-impact uh, high practices or the kinds of job skills that uh, you, the UL system showed uh, last time. We also, in our proposal process, ask for those same set of uh, those, what sometimes are called soft skills, hard things to do, but we still call them soft skills for some reason. So all of those things are part and parcel of that proposal process which campuses now have to do. So don't think that just because today you said yes, you know, these are the new programs, then now it's a done deal. It absolutely is not. Those, those campuses will now produce for each of those degree programs you know, a 40 or 50 page document that has all of that information comes to us. We review it, go really kick the tires on that and it's all that happens before we bring the programs to you for, for final consideration. All right. So, I talked about how it is that we're meeting the state's needs. I kind of want to talk a little briefly about what it is that we do for that, because again, this is something new. We do a gap analysis that we do in partnership with LED and the Rideaus, and then also using this new data capability. There's a company called Lightcast. Um, maybe some of you have heard of Burning Glass. I think that's been a name that's kind of been out in the, 
general space for a while. So Burning Glass and a company called MC got together and created a new company called Lightcast. Lightcast is, I think, the market leader when it comes to providing uh, workforce information data. So all kinds of hiring, posting, job forecasting, skills data, every kind of information that you could imagine about in the, in the economic space across this state and across the country as a whole, what are the in-demand um, jobs, what are the places where there are gaps, what are the hirings, all of those kinds of things. And what we've been able to do is to create a sort of a, uh, a sort of a triangulation kind of approach to understand as I say, these are not the only jobs that are needed in Louisiana, and I'm not pretend, pretending that they are when I show you the, to them, but they are the ones which this analysis seems to suggest are the ones that are the most compelling from a statewide strategic capacity need. The way we go about this is to first of all look at real-time job postings and real-time job hires. So across the last year, what are occupations where the number of postings has far outpaced the number of hires. This immediately says that this is an area, this is an occupation where employers just simply can't find the people that they want to hire. Right? On the other corner, we're looking to say, well, uh, of, if it, we already can't keep pace apparently with the demand, but are there occupations where that demand is about to take off? Does that make sense? That it's already the case that we can't keep pace, but that occupation is, you know, in the last 500 meters of an 800 meter race, and they're, they're about to take off and go to another speed and accelerate, and we already can't keep pace, and we're going to be in, in, in an even worse situation in a minute. So forecasting that sort of acceleration in demand. And then lastly, in the other corner, we can look inside that MC, that MC Burning Class data to see four particular occupations, what are the proportion of people who currently work in that occupation in Louisiana who receive their education from us, from Louisiana institutions? And again, if we find, if we find an occupation where, you know what, employers have much more demand than the populace at large is able to meet, that demand is about to increase even more, and what's more, right now, a low proportion of people who do that kind of occupation received the education and training from within this state. That all says we just can't meet the needs, the, we can't meet the capacity needs with what we have. So we need more of it. And so that's the, the idea here. This is in many ways the, the complete sort of other side of the coin of unnecessary duplication. This is. This is necessary duplication. This is, we have it sometimes, sometimes we don't have it at all, but we have it, we just don't have enough of it. Or we have it, but it's only over here and we need it everywhere. You get that idea. So we've done this analysis both at the state level and also at the regional level, at each of the uh, regional labor market areas. So across the state, these are those strategic occupational areas, as I can see. And my suspicion is when I, when I show you this, you think, well, you know, I don't know how many hours it took us to do the analysis, but probably many of you could have written this list down before we started. But it's still nice to know the number set. So, yeah, you know what? We need more nurses. I know you're flabbergasted by that, but we need more nurses. We need more folk who work in all kinds of IT, cyber, 
programming, data analysis, all of that. We need health technologists, right? So all kinds of folk who work together with doctors and nurses to do all of the kind of health technology and technician work. But we need all kinds of different engineers across the state. Mathematical science occupations. This is one of those ones which is, and it's not just because I'm a math guy, but it is because I'm a math guy. These are, these, are, these are things that have just sort of suddenly appeared, right? Over the, I mean, it's not like people haven't been able to do stuff with math jobs for years, but now suddenly data science is a thing, right? It, it didn't used to be a thing. Now suddenly it is, and everybody wants people who are able to do work in data science, and so mathematical science occupations are very, very much in demand, both here and across the country. Engineering technicians. So this is advanced manufacturing. This is uh, engineering technology. This is aviation science. There's all kinds of things like that, uh, that, that that we need more of. Life sciences. And then lastly, teachers. We need all kinds of different teachers at every level. We need math and science teachers like I don't know what we need. But we also need folk in special ed. We need middle school teachers. We need all of that. So as I say, probably nothing on that list where you're like, well, I wonder why we, th but it's important for us to know that it isn't just because we think so, the numbers say it too. We can also go down lower levels, right? So I'm not going to bore you with all of it today, but I'll give you the at least the idea that it isn't just we know we need computer occupations in general. We can know to say, well, look, we need... We, in particular, across the state, we really need, we need software developers, we need computer systems analysts, information security analysts, that's the fancy name for cybersecurity. That's what the, uh, the folk who do this kind of analysis call that. And then we need uh, computer networking folk. Across the state, that's what we need. And again, for each, for each particular region, we can supply this level of information and MC Burning Glass data, which all of our campuses now have access to, we can, they can look and see even on the skill level, on the you know, much, much lower down to see, well, when we're talking about software developers, like in what language? Do, I, do we need Python? Do we need Java? Do we need, do we need COBOL? It came, kind of came up yesterday. You know, COBOL program, you know, fun fact to know, when I was a, you know, uh, in college, I had a two, summer job, two summers, as a COBOL programmer. I don't know that I can remember much of it now, but... You can make a decent living as a COBOL programmer today, and my suspicion is you always will be able to, because those things are never going away. But, so, software developers, what, what, what language? It can't be just anything. Uh, you know, computer network architects, in what kind of a way? So, our campuses can have access to all of that. I'll go down a little bit further. Health technology and technicians. Again, you'll see some of these things in, reflected in programs that will be presented for approval or acceptance today, clinical lab tech, radiation tech, medical record specialists, cardiovascular is huge across our state. I know I don't need to per persuade you of that. And then engineering tech. You can see civil and industrial engineering, mechatronics, man advanced manufacturing kinds of fields, uh, electrical technicians, aircraft mechanics, for all kinds of reason across our state, both in the oil and gas industry, but also in transportation. We need all of that. And then green energy is a huge piece. Uh, I know this is one of, the, one of those things. Uh, Paul Helton was hoping to be here today from LED to talk about the partnership that we've had going through with this. This was something that very much he's been asking for greater capacity across our state. Uh, sadly, he's ill today, but won't, won't be able to be here. But all of that, it's not just the numbers saying, so as a state, we really need all of that. So we can have a similar list for all of these different, um, 
occupation. So it's not, it is a, it's a journey too, because as we build this, we also want to build pathways so that that, that certification can sure enough put, put you in an entirely new employment perspective. But it also is a door that should you choose to would allow you to carry on your educational journey where, you know, unless we build that right, it's a, it's, it's, it's a stop and it, and it doesn't need to be. Yes, sir.